Reforming networks, appointed representative models is high on the Financial Conduct Authority's agenda this year, and it's been a subject of much controversy since the publication of the Watchdogs consultation in March. According to the FCA, networks generate between 50 and 400% more complaints and supervisory cases on behalf of themselves and their members than firms which are not networks. This led the watchdog to conclude more issues arise from principals and ARs than they do from directly authorised firms. Hence, it deemed a change to the AR regime introduced back in 1986 was needed. The FCA has said under new reforms, it would require networks to self-assess each member firm on an annual basis. Advisor trade body PIMFA has since said this will turn networks into nothing more than extremely well-paid human resources consultants. FT advisor approached networks on the issue, who responded anonymously, saying they are having to re-evaluate their options and review membership criteria. I'm Ruby Hinchliffe, senior reporter at FT Advisor, and with me today I have Rory Granat, head of distribution and product strategy at consultancy Altus. Rory, I know you used to work at Sesame Bank Hall Group and Tenet, which operate AR models. What have been some of the challenges in the AR model which have caused this increase in, in complaints that I mentioned earlier? I, I find it quite interesting that we, we term it as an increase in complaints because I, I look at the data and I don't see in the investment se- um, sector, for example, a huge differential as such. Yes, the supervision cases as such that are up there, but there are supervision cases and supervision cases. Um, I noticed more around the general insurance and perhaps the mortgage uh, network areas as such, where there's more elements there that are taking place. But I think you've got a a very different control and mindset there as such. And we've got three different markets all being perhaps painted with the same brush, which I'm not convinced is fair. I I think when we look at this, you know, the the AR model has matured over time. I think it'd be fair to say, certainly in the investment space in particular, principals have learnt that they are on the hook for the advice and therefore they want to understand more about what their ARs are doing. And that's led to some practices that people have found intrusive, but actually that typically are only there when the principal is forced into taking a position to review activities or understand more because they've had something crop up that has led them to realise that there might be a challenge in that particular activity set. But on the whole, I'd like to turn around and think that, um, you know, the the principals would like to turn around and work in partnership with their ARs rather than become a dictatorship. Uh, And certainly I don't see there not being a place for that model going forward. The FCA has recognised that there can be cost savings with that. I think it gives advisors a choice and a choice that means they can determine how they want their business model to work. It's interesting because, I mean, from reading the FCA's um, initial kind of um, consultation on on AR reform and and the fact they say sort of it was introduced back in 1986, it sort of um, makes it sound as if there's not been much change or evolution to these models since then. But it'd be good to hear from you kind of what you think has changed um, and actually meant that these models are um, better, more efficient, and arguably less problematic than than they might have been when they were first founded? I think, like with any sort of business model, the more that you learn about the environment you're operating in, the more you refine it. 
Um, if we take any advisor business out there as such, typically where they'll have started and where they are now will have changed over time as they've learnt. They've introduced new processes and protocols. They've developed new tech in some instances in order to meet the needs of their client base. The network and AR model is, is actually the same um, as it turned and learned about different risks and controls and challenges. So they've turned and modified things. I mean, I can remember back in the days where I was asked to look at other businesses on behalf of the likes of Tenet and Sesame, where we had what on the surface looked like really good risk controls for some of those com companies we were looking at. And then actually when we dug under the detail, you had things like free passes for a subset of advisors because, well, they're one of our big hitters. And you then went back to base and said, they're doing this. And immediately the networks went, well, we wouldn't do that. Why would they do that? And I think we've got a lot of that sort of practice that's been wheedled out over time. Um, you know, the businesses recognize the need for control. They recognize the cost implications of that. But I also think there's a, a good point here as such around they also recognize that they don't want controls for control's sake. Um, the point that Pimfer makes about the, you know, the resourcing piece, I have to say I looked at the review and my feeling is that uh, that was a very optimistic view of how much resource would be required uh, to tear and manage this because we're asking for a lot of data to be assimilated, submitted on standard forms. So even if you turn around and feel that PIMFA's over-egging what it would mean for the actual networks themselves to be gathering that data, let's not forget the ARs are going to have to turn around and actually put that together as well. Um, I, I can always remember back in the day when I was working in the networks areas, you know, we would do an awful lot of work on the technical side and be able to put things together. And people would ask me, how can you do that? Uh, you know, I never get a chance to do that. And my immediate response was, but look at everything your average advisor is doing in their, in their workplace. And be it directly authorized, be it network AR, you still kind of go, can't get away from, you've still got the customer interactions, you've still got servicing activities, you've still got updates to, to turn around and put together, you've still got reports to write, we've got technology to help with that, great. But it's still an awful lot of ground to cover. And, oh, look, I've now got another set of reports to make sure that I've got set up, I've got potentially systems I've got to invest in. It, it feels like the idea that it would be a one-off cost these things rarely end up as a one-off cost. They usually morph and develop over time. So I do find it disconcerting about that element, particularly when you know we still have a lot of practices out there where some of this data is captured in soft terms through different sessions with supervisory elements or is captured in different forms of data, perhaps not quite in the way that the regulator is setting out. So it's still going to be changed. It's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that you want to turn around and have the site. I suppose my question is, will the data actually get used in the manner to which it is intended, uh, given that we have other constraints over how resource that the regulator can handle different activities? Sure. And I, I mean, we've seen some networks that will go out on their own um, to, to, do, to go to sort of new lengths to make sure they're keeping tabs on 
on firms. I know I know that um, Tenet not that long ago it was it was revealed that they um, were sort of using open banking in ter- in order to to get more data and details from the firms in their network um in, in a sort of effort to to keep tabs and, and do you think that using technology like open banking um could potentially make it a bit easier or do you think it's still quite a heavy uh, lofty task i think it's a lofty task is my honest view on that i think this is always an area that could grow and could improve but Data is nothing without the analysis that goes with it. You've still got to have somebody or something sit over that data, pour over it. And that's a major cost as well. Um, and I think this is something that we often we often talk about the richness of data we can get hold of. Um, and if we look at it, you know, advice in most instances isn't about data. It's about our analysis and our response to that analysis of what we're provided with by the customer. This is no different. We can get all of this data. It's what's the outcome from the analysis that we're looking for. Why is it we're driving that? Why do we need that sort of information? And I do feel that, you know, again, I come back to the network and the principal agents in this instance are not going to want to have to turn and gather things if they haven't got the analysis to back it up, because the next challenge plainly over this isn't about, did you gather the data, but what did you do with it? Mm. Um, And I I do feel that that's the sort of element where there needs to be thought and consideration about what those processes are. I think that's where some of PIMFA's ideas are coming in around the resource required to manage this, because we need to tear around and make sure that we're picking up the right things. I also think, and this sounds very old school, and I'll probably get a few chuckles over this, but I also think it still doesn't get away from, for those elements that are going to turn around and break the rules, it's not going to stop them. And that doesn't matter whether you're somebody with an AR, directly authorised or whomsoever, you still always turn around and coming down to that subset. To me, the bigger question is, if we look at the examples that were quoted in the FCA's paper, these were about investment practices as against advisory businesses that they actually highlighted. So I ask the question in my mind is, are we turning around and having a one-size-fits-all approach to this, or do we need to turn around and actually fragment it out into different market views that are more fit for purpose for those specific areas. Um, it feels like I'm going into bat here for the AR model. And, 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 and to a degree, it's more a case of I feel that we're not looking at things with the right lens for the right market. Um, I'm a big uh, believer in advisors should have the choice about what they want to have. There'll be guys off the back of this saying, come with directly authorized. It's the way forward. My view for what it's worth, rightly or wrongly, is I think for advisor businesses, there will be a time and a place for different models for them, depending on how mature and how focused they are on what they want to turn around and deliver for their customers. Mm. And I think that's probably the element that sometimes gets lost in amongst this is, is it that uh, we've got people trying to take advantage of that that drive this element in different markets? 
Or is it really that the regulator does believe there is a broad brush challenge across the whole piece? It's interesting. And, you know, you, you were talking about, yeah, the, this pool now to, for them firms to become directly authorised. But, you know, what I would be interested to ask you is, do you think we'll actually see that that shift? Um, you know, and we know that the FCA authorization process um, is taking quite a long time. Um, and we also, for, for both, you know, AR and um, directly authorised. And we also know that, you know, the regulator is hiring more people now, but um, it's, will firms actually think, oh, I better get directly authorised and or will that still seem like something they can't really do? I think different firms will make different decisions over it. And it sounds like a real cop-out phrase, that. But actually, when it comes down to it, I think it will depend on what the business sees as the impact on it. So if we have a business that feels that this is a huge additional effort for us, this is not what we want to turn around and be sat delivering this level of data, then plainly the likelihood is they're going to look at what their options are. I, I think more likely is we'll kind of see another flex to the network model where people have brought another control in uh, or another different task in. So do I think it's going to be a knee-jerk rush to directly authorised uh, model? No. Do I think it will be the straw that broke the camel's back for some business to say, do you know what, I might as well? Yes, almost certainly it will. Um, but I think, you know, we kind of have seen this over the years as different controls, processes and ideas have been brought in by different networks. So the advice businesses and sat underneath them turn around and make a clear determination of, right, this is the point now where I feel it's right. So, yes, you will see some move. I've no doubt about that. But I think it's a, a natural progression, dare I say it, as those businesses get to that point where it's like, right, I want to have my own control. I've got all the other pieces aligned for me. And this just means if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it myself. Sure. And do you think some networks will kind of look at the sort of incoming reform and, and simply sort of shut up shop? I mean, we saw investment manager Sanlam announce the wind down of its advisor network back in August. Um, they said the network no longer fitted with its business model. Uh, and sources have said to me that, you know, saying that the network no longer, the network model and the backdrop of rising costs and regulatory scrutiny, it's just, there's a falling appetite um, from from the operators to to share compliance risks with ARs that are, are making, um, or not making rather, the cut. Um, what, what do you think of, of that? It's a, it's always a, a, an interesting one in this respect. I think there's always been that elephant in the room for a lot of networks about is that AR profitable? Is that AR someone that we can turn around and support? And seeing different networks um, turn around and encourage advisors to leave with either higher charges or bandings or tiers or, or various other activities to turn around and rationalize the network membership so that it's there also trades off against there's still this desire and need to show volume of members um so i think it will be a difficult discussion it never is easy i think sandman was a bit different you've got a wider business there taking a view on an element that as it, it, you know, it did noticeably stick out as being non-aligned to the rider business. 
I think for a lot of the other businesses out there as such, I think there's much more of a a consideration about where our sweet spot is. For some of those networks, it may be they already have processes in place where this may not be a huge effort for them, but it will be a lot of noise from their their ARs. Um, I think for others, it may turn around and make them go, we need to turn around and rebase. Uh, it's not, you know, it's never easy when you deal with this because let's not forget the network itself has to make ensure it's still remaining profitable, either with its embedded or non-embedded value. Um, I think that's going to be quite, it's going to be challenging. Uh, I wouldn't deny that, particularly when, you know, we've seen a squeeze on things that the, these sorts of models can turn and deliver. But I don't think we should forget that for those that that is their model as such, they've also probably turned around and invested in support services entities as such and sister companies to turn around and deliver alternative approaches. And the question will come, at what point does the membership either become too small or too costly to remain viable? Sure. Will this be the bit that does it? No, probably not. Will it turn around again be another component part to the consideration? Almost certainly. Yeah, and I, I was going to ask, um, you know, we might not see any of the networks sort of sharp sharp, sharp out anytime soon. And I think you, you make a very good point that the salmon was a bit different because of the model. Um, but what about sort of those AR firms that might slip through the net that are legitimate businesses, um, but just because of the way that networks are going to have to morph and transform um to, to suit new regulation means that there might be a, a sort of pocket of AR firms that um sort of basically have no home to go to. Um I, I kind of that's sort of what I'm seeing potentially as an, an outcome. What what do you think? Do you think that there will be a, a pocket of firms that just sort of get left by the wayside? I think as our markets move forward, um particularly for smaller firms as such it's become a bigger challenge and when i say smaller firms i'm saying smaller less profitable firms you know there are still small firms that are highly profitable highly effective as such so it it, it it's small with a pound sign against it as against small with a number of uh, advisors against it if i can put it that way um I think this has always been something that has been a constant squeeze in the market space. Um, so it's nothing new that we haven't seen already. It will potentially make some people make that decision that I'm going to step away. Um, is it going to be numerous? I think we've had other activities um, that have turned around and had more of a heavy hit than this will. Um, will it leave people stranded? Stranded is a strong term to use. I think it's more a case of there'll be some business decisions for those people to make about whether or not they continue as a viable concern or whether they sell up or merge into one of the consolidators we see out there. There's a reason why a lot of the networks also have a consolidation wing attached. You know, they're looking at those opportunities to turn around and grow the business in a different format 
Sure. And um, and just going back to what you said about other things that have kind of shook the network space a bit more, what, what are some of the things that you think have affected the model and the structure of this industry a bit more than this might do? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm an old fogey when it comes down to it. And, yeah, the easiest one to turn and say is, even when you saw RDR come in, the volume of the one-man band, low-ticket advisors that basically packed up and went some would say it was a good thing to see some of those guys go i think it was swings and roundabouts because we had somewhere probably it was there were some that knew what their limitations were and focused on particular areas because they knew that's what they were good at and i was sorry to see some of those guys go but we you know we've seen that we've seen different things where networks have restricted different types of investment activity or advice activity and again that's meant businesses have gone I'm moving, I'm out. Um, and I think that's each time you turn around and see this, and it varies from network to network as they put controls in, you always see a combination of those that decide, right, I'm going directly authorised because I don't fit with you anymore. Those that decide, well, actually, that was my business, and if you're going to focus on it, I'm out of here. And those that therefore decide, well, I'm going to live without it. I actually feel that in a lot of instances, the number of advisors in that latter camp are quite modest. And it's a fairly even split between those that go directly authorised and those that step away. Okay. And to you, what we kind of talked about what's already been laid out as a potential um, sort of future path for, for network models. But what do you think is a practical solution? If something needs to change and the FCA wants to see change, what sort of change do you think needs to happen? If we were to sort of put the... FCA um, sort of proposals to one side, what do you think would be a practical change or so, what do you think needs to be improved? The question I suppose I have in this instance is, um, in essence, the, the network has, bec- you know, as the principle for delivering the advice, is effectively responsible, in essence, for ensuring that its advisors are complying with its control framework. So my challenge, I suppose, is rather than it be a case of we're pouring over data and we're setting out what data we expect, the question I've got in the investment side is actually how many of those networks weren't already looking at this in some shape or form? Because I look at the guidance and I think, well, most of the networks that I've ever been associated with, either directly or indirectly, already look at a lot of this data or already ask about it you know, on supervisory visits or contact as such to understand what it is that's going on with their their ARs. The challenge to me is if we're seriously saying that this activity hasn't been taking place in any form, why are we hitting the whole market with the actions of a subset? Um, and I think this is where streamlining, understanding I do think the portal that we've talked about over permissions is a definite benefit here because I do feel it's quite ironic that I talk to different entities and they'll say, well, we check the FCA register to see if somebody holds the right permissions. And I go, well, how do you know that advisor holds the right permissions? It's the firm that holds the permissions. It's the principal that holds the permissions. And they'll turn around and they'll go, well, well, we just check, check at that level. And I do feel that 
element is something we need to have because that will aid customers, providers, the whole market understand who is actually deemed competent for what. But I, I do feel that pumping more data around about different income splits for non-financial uh, you know, non services and financial services regulated income, the more data we're pumping around the system, the more I ask, where's the analysis taking place? Should it not be actually the question being, show me what analysis you do, show me what your controls are uh, at the network and principal levels, show me that you're delivering on that. Because if the challenge is, you're not my question is all the data in the world isn't necessarily going to tell you whether or not the control is being enacted uh, and, and and to me that's the the big thing that's missing here is it's all about the data it's also we can spot things how how do you know the data is solid how do you know it's valid what you know what are you expecting in terms of sourcing um, the whole host on that. My, my view is, to be fair, it should be more about how is the engagement taking place between principal and AR? How are they monitoring that? How are they getting confidence in that? And actually challenging at that level. That isn't going to mean that we're lightening the load on the controls that are in that they need to be in place, but more we're actually testing that the controls are valid. And I was just going to say, you make a good point about, um, you know, how can we trust the data? Because there's no, it's not like there's a kind of a, a certificate out there that's no. kind of put on the data once it's been collected to say that's valid data and that everyone kind of industry wide can trust that. And I guess that would be helpful, but who's going to do that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's the old adage, isn't it? There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. I, I And, that effectively is how data can be represented or misrepresented. Um, and to, to my way of looking at it, it's more important to understand the controls that are in place to test and understand what's being undertaken than it necessarily is just to have lots more data circulating around the, the, the ether. Sure. Um, that, that to me is where we need to be looking. That's where... I think it will vary from different elements. And this is perhaps where, again, I come down to my focus is particularly the investment advice scene, if you like. And if we then turn our attention to the GI space, we turn our attention to not so much the mortgage advice space. We turn our attention to more of the actual investment uh, firm route as such. That's where some of this aspect about where's the income coming in from, what are they delivering? makes more sense you know we're asking for sign off accounts there i can understand that but again then what are you doing with it sure. it still comes back to the same thing what are you doing with that afterwards um i'm not big on this idea of one uh, 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 of tarring everybody with the same brush even though i recognize that the ar model was set up across streams but i do feel that we now need to be into that point where it says, how do we turn and analyze this in, that's market specific? Sure. I think, I think that's 
a good point. And I think a lot of people in the consultation will probably be raising this issue. I know that um, Quilter said, oh, what about for firms that, you know, want more streamlined reporting processes because of the amount of appointments they make yeah. on, a, on a frequent basis? You know, we, we need a different model because of the the, the volume purely that we work we work by so I, th- I think you make a really good point there um and I wanted to I'd ask you sort of a summary question really as to if you could sort of sum up the future of, of networks and I guess I'm doing exactly what you're sort of suggesting we shouldn't do which is brandish the kind of whole space of the same brush but if you were to sort of zoom out a bit and look at the future and feel free to be specific again but you know in light of the incoming reform what would you say the future of of the network model is looking like I think the network model, it's coming under pressure, but it's consistently come under pressure for decades now, effectively. And the networks have um, morphed and evolved as such to meet the demands placed on them. I think it will further pressurise as such, but I, I do think that there will be ways they can innovate to turn around and circumvent it. Um, do I think it's the end of networks? Definitely not. Uh, do I think it's still going to mean that choice is going to be out there? Definitely. Do I think we'll see some differences perhaps in certain markets like GI? Almost certainly. I, I think that will turn around and bring home some considerations, particularly over, I think, it, it's probably uh, an unusual feel for us when you get this hosted permissions piece that comes in. Um, but I think we will see more of that sort of coming under close scrutiny, which is not a bad thing, depending on what the activities are. Um, but I think we've tried, we, we've had various statements in the past where um, networks are dead. They haven't been, and they will continue to be viable. Will there be the same number? Perhaps not. Will they be in the same shape or form? Perhaps not. But, if we again go back to 96 if you look at a network back then and you look at it now they've come a long way yeah i think that's what we've kind of encapsulated in this in this discussion and um i'm sure many other people in the space would argue the same um rory i, w- I want to say a massive thank you for for coming on the podcast today um i think you've you've said some really interesting things and um i think it's important that this topic's given a, a light um because i know a, a lot of firms and networks sort of are reserved to talk about it um directly but it's important all the same that we we shed that light um so i want to i want to say a massive thank you and and listeners thank you for 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 tuning in and and please do visit us again but yeah bye for now support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you as one of the largest integrated fee only registered investment advisors in the u.s corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.